and welcome to Subculture, the podcast exploring subcultures from around the world. I'm your host, Jake Brennan, and I'm joined today by fellow podcasters, Joanna Graham. Hello. Brennan Hymans. Hello. And yeah, <laughs> Guys, I can't wait to talk about this one. Uh, yeah, things like that do not pass in the zone. No. Right, so I'm going to be upfront before we get into the funny stuff and say that this isn't the kind of episode you think it is. I know it says stalkers on the title, but it's not that kind of stalkers. I need to make this clear because my follow-up question will lead you down the wrong path. So guys, if you could go anywhere in the world that you're not allowed to be, keep in mind the subject. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Where would it be? Anywhere in the world, you just go there. I've always really been envious of those scenes in movies and TV shows where the normal person visits a celebrity house party and then they get to like rummage around their belongings and stuff. They go see their bedroom and their TV room and stuff. I've always wanted to go like look around a billionaire's house when there's no one else around. Again, different kind of stalking, but we'll get into later. <laughs> Which billionaire though? Oh, Definitely not one of the Silicon Valley men, because you just know they're like probably really boring and have no mm. possessions, so it'll oh, just yeah. be kind of shit. So, I don't know, someone probably quite amusing, like Mark Cuban. Like, I feel like he Ooh. probably has like a room dedicated to himself, and it's probably like really <laughs> sad. Like that scene in Alan Partridge where he meets his stalker and it's just Alan Partridge yeah. everywhere and a chair in the middle. <laughs> Actually, I changed my answer. Vince McMahon. I would fucking Ooh. kill oh, yes. to look around Vince McMahon's personal house. Oh. My days, the shit you could find. He's very much the kind of person that I feel would have a sex dungeon. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely a freak of some sort. Like, you know he's got some something weird there, whatever it may be. A golden statue of himself. That wouldn't be that weird compared to the stuff I know he has for a fact, like a Tyrannosaurus skull. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my god. <laughs> Jabs, if you could go somewhere that you're not meant to be, where'd it go? You know what, this is in a similar vein, actually. I think I'd go to the Natural History Museum, because... What? Nerd. Push him in a locker, Jake. Gonna give you a swirly, Jabs, for being such a dog. Oh, no, yeah. a jock, please, He's a noogie. No, no. A wedgie just to boot. <laughs> but no. Because uh, apparently we only ever see a third or a tenth of what they actually have. There's like giant oh, basements true. underneath. Oh, I've no. actually seen a little bit of that. They were cleaning it until the doors were open when I went there last. Oh, okay. So you could kind of peer into and see all these like corridors of just cool stuff that they mm. don't show. It's all the best stuff, basically. Oh, definitely, yeah. Or the haunted stuff. Yeah, the taxidermied things and like the shrunken heads. Personally, if it were me, I'd love to go to Area 51. I'd just love to have a snoop around. I don't know why that wasn't the first one that was... Because it's a boring old shit desert. It's full of old dust. Oh, I mean, I just want to go where the aliens be. I want to run in there. Uh, you missed out when Mail stormed it, however long ago that was. I did, but I generally thought they'd actually kill them. Well, in which case then, how about we sort of allude to what this episode's actually about? As you can guess in the title, it's about stalkers. Not the ones you're thinking of, despite the question and the intro and the title. So, Ben, what is a stalker? Well, in essence, a stalker is essentially like a hiking guide who will take you through, very specifically, the Chernobyl Exclusion Zone, which, if you're not familiar with what that whole thing is, there's a really good HBO series you go watch called Chernobyl. I'm pretty sure at time of releasing this, most people will have seen that and know what we're talking about. Big explosion, nuclear radiation, bad times all round. These guys are different to your regular tour guides, though. 
because they're specifically doing it as independent people entering illegally to just have a look around what they can find. Oh, yeah, because Russia is very, very, very not chill about Chernobyl as a whole and people visiting it. It's for Ukraine, but okay. Oh, shit. Oh, I, I, I put my hands up and apologise. Sorry, Ukraine. <laughs> it was, you know, the whole Russian Federation when it exploded, but then the Soviet Union collapsed and all that thing happened. Russia at the time. Russia at the time. But um, yeah, now it's a zone. Quite a large zone. About 1,000 square miles that nobody's allowed to live in. And access is very restricted. It's a very, very large area. So there are official tours you can go on, and they stick to some of like the mainly cleared areas um, where you can go and have a look around. So is it safe to visit certain areas, then? Specific areas are safe-ish, especially right. if you've got a tour guide, and the tour guides obviously have equipment to detect radiation, and they only take you to the cleanest spots where you can go and have a look around. But that's not enough for your traditional stalker, who wants to go and see it all and see the bits they're not allowed to see. And they quite like the freedom of being able to just go and have a look at what they want to look at. A thousand square miles is a, is a very big area, mm. and the main tours will only take you to a couple of like buildings, so there's a lot of space left to explore. So if you want to go see the real Chernobyl, essentially. So is this purely focusing on Chernobyl? Can this apply to lots of different areas in the world? It's kind of debatable. So the term is pretty much used for the Chernobyl area, but the term did not come about from Chernobyl itself. It came from a book called Roadside Picnic, and it was a Russian book about an extraterrestrial object that fell to Earth and made a very large area uninhabitable. And there were people that would take scientists or or rogue people through this uninhabitable area known as the Zone for various reasons, and a lot of it was like scavenging alien materials or just exploring or getting to certain things. And it was a very popular book, got adapted into a film, and again, the film use the term stalker and this is all happening 10 years before the Chernobyl explosion and the actual exclusion zone was made and so back when that happened the people who were originally cleaning up the zone began to refer to themselves as stalkers because it was just like it was in that book in that film and it could refer to really any area that's you know dangerous and forbidden Um, for example in Japan they've got the um, Fukushima power plant which you might remember also had a nowhere near as severe as Chernobyl, but there's an area around that that is now cordoned off and deemed uninhabitable for some period of time. And I'm aware from YouTube that people break into there and have a look around. You could call them stalkers if you wanted to, if they were aware of the subculture and wanted to use the term themselves. So generally, the people who do this, they have the equipment, though, and do it properly. They're not just, like, looking around. It's debatable. There's... A lot of different levels of people doing it. So there's people that go, well, I've lived a mile away from the border of the zone my whole life. We used to break into there and nothing ever bad's happened to me. So I'm going to keep going in there and just not pay any attention to any of the warning signs. Mm. And then there are people that, you know, they go on Amazon and get what equipment they can. But they're obviously usually a fair bit behind the professional stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, I can't imagine <laughs> that you can just get the good stuff on Amazon. <laughs> Radioactive equipment. I've seen like blogs and stuff of people who are self-deemed stalkers who go into the zone. And it's almost like a badge of pride of like, oh, look, I found this thing that uh, when I scan it, it makes my radiation detector cap out. 
Are you going to say it like it makes my hand cover in pustules? Well, I mean, I've also seen people who find, you know, small, small portable bits of metal that are radioactive and they take them home as souvenirs. Oh, no. Like, like oh, old no. radioactive bolts and stuff. And they just like take them home and keep them in a box in their apartment. So those people get sick, right? You'd maybe assume so. There's very little documented evidence of people getting sick from exploring the zone because they tend to be very careful about what they document because it is obviously very illegal. Right, but what about the people who like bring stuff back with them and like keep it in there? Yeah, that is also very illegal. And so you might see a picture or something, but um, I've not found anyone outrightly saying that they started doing stalking and exploring the zone and then got horrendously sick from it. I've not seen anyone say that, but I imagine it must happen. Yeah. yeah. Oh, surely. Yeah. You wouldn't be like, oh, by the way, guys, I committed a huge crime and mm. I'm now dying because of that crime because <laughs> um, I took a very dangerous thing home and I didn't have a box to keep it in. So the big question, how many people do this? Like, How big is the subculture? So it seems like it's relatively small but close-knit. One of the requirements for being a stalker is to usually be fairly local to the area and actually know the ins and outs. Like, if you were to go across from the UK over there, you wouldn't know how to break into the area safely, and you wouldn't really know what to do, so you probably would get caught straight away and not last 10 minutes. So it's quite small in that it's kind of people local to the zone are the people who can really call themselves stalkers, I think. People who know the back routes and where you go in the woods to find the safe crossings, cross the rivers, that sort of thing. Um, People who would like be able to find their way around without a map. So fairly small, but again, there's not a outright... Here's the forum of people who illegally break into this uh, this thing that I've been able to find. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, can't imagine you're very public yeah. about that. There's a couple of YouTube channels I've found where there's people who talk to each other and they, they do like exploring vlogs together. It's almost like watching anyone just recording their camping trip, except, you know, very illegal. And they all cover their faces and don't use their real names and that sort of thing. Mm. Wow, so we can't gauge size. We can't gauge size, but I think, you know, less than the population of Wales would be a safe bet because while the zone itself is very big, the amount of people that live close enough by to call themselves a stalker and know the area, and then out of that people who could do it, the people who actually do it is going to be even smaller, so. If you had to take a rough guess, how many would you say? Uh, Yeah, I've heard some people say there's like a few thousand a year maybe breaking into Chernobyl, but... How many of those actually call themselves stalkers as well? Because there's obviously lots of other reasons to break in. Mm. I saw one thing about someone they're literally breaking in to steal radiators to go and melt down for scrap and then sell the metal, which is also <laughs> wow. very illegal. One of the reasons being those are probably all radioactive and putting it into circulation is a very bad thing to do. Mm, yes, not great. So I don't know if you'd consider them stalkers or not. The actual stalkers we watch probably wouldn't because... One of the things about being a stalker is having a kind of respect for the zone, I suppose. It's about exploring it and seeing it, not about trying to make a profit off of what's in there. Oh, yeah. I mean, you've probably got to respect an area of land that might potentially kill you at a moment's notice. I think it's more than that. It's, it's kind of a... It's almost like it's a, like a romantic vision of being a stalker and, you know, having that little fantasy of playing out a little bit of the end of the world because that's what it's like yeah. when you're there. Mm. What about, like, photographers and stuff? Is there, like, much documentation of it? Yes, there's a lot of people who will have little blogs and stuff of their trips into Chernobyl. And again, it's kind of debatable what you sort of deem as a stalker versus a tourist, which I think is the term they would use for somebody who is visiting the zone who is not, in their eyes, a stalker. So somebody who uses the official tour guides and goes to the official places, they're not a stalker, but they usually take lots of touristy-type pictures. 
one of the parts of being a stalker is taking non-stalkers through the zone safely. And so there are people who go on little trips and may blog their, their experiences, things like that. There is a lot of photography that comes up through there because I mean, it's one of the kind of uniquest places to explore like that. There's not really anywhere else you can go to see an, an entire mm. abandoned city being reclaimed by nature like to the same degree. Yeah. Which is kind of a good thing, really, when you think about it. That we don't have more nuclear wastelands. Yeah, it's nice to have a little localised apocalypse mm. rather than a, a full global one. Because then you wouldn't have anywhere to blog afterwards when you got home. If you, uh, you know, all uh, true, like true. That. So does this mean that the premise of Jurassic Park 2 and 3 and Jurassic World 2 are stalker movies? God, well, first of all, I haven't seen Jurassic World 2. Jurassic World 1 was enough for me. <laughs> yeah, technically, I suppose uh, I, I can't really remember Jurassic Park 2 very well, but Jurassic Park 3, that's where Sam Neill goes to the ruined island to rescue some people who, I can't remember, a plane got downed or something? But yeah, he, he yeah. he's essentially a stalker in that. He's going to a forbidden, dangerous place with the objective of rescuing someone, a, a tourist, and guiding them out. That's very much a okay. stalkery thing to do, I suppose. So... Say I wanted, not that I'm going to, because it's a crime. We don't do crime here. Not a crime that we could be convicted of. But if I wanted to become a stalker, how would I need to get into it? Well, as we mentioned before, one of the key things for being a stalker is to actually be yourself familiar with the area that you're stalking in. Failing that, the best thing you can probably do is to try and find someone who is a stalker of the place you want to go. Which you can do if you try really hard. Reddit posts and stuff. You make yourself open there so that people know you're legit. Then you might find someone who's uh, willing to take you in for a bit of an explore. You need to figure out if you can trust them as well. They could take you in and kill you. I mean, I was going to rob, but kill is also a bit of a risk out there. <laughs> I mean, if you're a murderer, <laughs> that's a great way to like find yeah, victims. Yeah. Take them in and kill them. And no one's going to go in to check because it's radioactive. Yeah, exactly. Mm. No one will ever find the bodies. So you mentioned gear. Is there any, I don't know, are there like kits? Are there recommendations of what you need to bring? You can get a lot of the sort of tools you'd probably need online. For the most part, for the Chernobyl zone, it's essentially you just need a Geiger counter of some kind, just so that you can make sure you're not going somewhere that's going to melt your feet off. Other than that, the videos that I've seen of people going, they're bringing things like pot noodles and a sleeping bag and a kettle. <laughs> On top of that, part of the sort of the camaraderie of the stalkers They've set up little safe houses and drop points and stuff in the way. So again, the videos I was watching, there's like an abandoned house at this location that's far enough away from roads for the military go and, go and check on it. And so in there, there's like a couple of sleeping bags set up and people leave like extra snacks and stuff for people who might be stuck out there struggling, that sort of thing. That's really cool. That's very kind. Very trusting. There's a surprising amount of community for people that are quite kind of isolationist. Yeah, it's a weird situation. Part of the reason to it is to go and experience the isolationism of the zone. The fact it's completely abandoned, but you know you get on very well with like-minded people, I suppose, when you're mm. doing that sort of thing. I guess you have to. It'd be party dangerous otherwise if everyone's out to uh, get each other. It's the beauty of a subculture, isn't it? The kinship. Mm. And, you know, the fact that you might die. <laughs> You can't leave like a fart in a box and just be like, ah, that'd be funny. No, right. your name would get around as Mr. Boxfart and uh, <laughs> uh, people people would avoid you if they run into you out of the zone. How about we call it there for a wee break, have a whiz, and I'll actually turn the guy counter on and <laughs> we'll see who has some extra limbs after that. Yeah. Hi, it's me again. 
vegetables. I thought I'd take a little cheeky second to tell you that Subcultured has a social media and Subcultured cast on Twitter and Instagram. You can also listen to more of our episodes on iTunes and Spotify. But if you don't like any of these nobbets, then you can visit Podgrams at www.podgrams.com where you can listen to an old new range of nobbets and their incredible podcasts. Oh no, they're coming back now. They can't know I'm here. But you have a great time. Love you. So, our next question being, who does it? Are there any named celebrities? Any? So, you know, as it's quite an illegal thing, I don't think any celebrity would admit to being an actual stalker. And again, to be an actual stalker, I think you'd probably have to be local, and I'm not familiar in my mainstream Western eyes, of anybody who comes from the area who would be famous. I'm sure they do have famous celebrities over there. Unfortunately, I'm just not cultured enough to know who they are. But I definitely think there's a few names we could probably go through that would definitely give it a go. Top of the list, easily Bear Grylls. I could see him having a great time in there. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Well, we know Elijah Wood. He was in the Extreme Haunts episode, wasn't he? He was was, one of the people who liked to walk through dirty condoms. So I think maybe him. Yes. Yeah, I can see him, you know, go and drop a ring into the Chernobyl reactor. Sure, we'll go for that. We'll go for the full metaphor. <laughs> yeah. Why the fuck not? I feel Nicolas Cage would be up for it. Not that he'd survive. I don't think he would. I could see Nicolas Cage bigging himself up like he was going to do, but then just going on one of the official tours. <laughs> Have you met this man? He's insane. I think if he decides to go and try and be a stalker, I think he'd probably die very quickly. Yes, (laughs) he would. He very much would. I can imagine Elon Musk claiming he's one and that he's been. Oh, you just know the whole gimmick would be, yeah, I went and broke into Chernobyl and look where I left my Tesla this time. There's one in space, now there's one in this hospital basement. (laughs) (laughs) Forgive me if we've kind of already covered this question, but like, does that mean there are other places in the world that kind of could be equivalent... So, so we mentioned Fukushima in Japan, obviously, yeah. being a very, very close analogue to Chernobyl. Nuclear places, that makes sense. Yeah. I think another good one, potentially, there's a real big volcano currently erupting over in um, oh, is it Iceland, I think. Yeah. And that entire zone, obviously very inhospitable, there's hot magma, and not a great deal of uh, civilization left for quite a large area there. I think that, as a zone would be the perfect thing for like a, a stalker to break into, have an explore around, take people to go and see the lava lakes. Obviously very what dangerous. About, like some of the dangerous mountains that people are told don't go there. Would that be stalking? I think it could be, in a way. You know, mm. you need to do the same sort of prep work. I yeah. think with mountains, I think they're almost too mainstream, possibly. Right. Because again, a, a lot of the reason to do the stalking is to go and explore areas that you can't really see anywhere else. Right, whereas all mountains look the same. Yeah. A lot of mountains look the same. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not not to you know dump on mountain climbers, but mountain climbers have got their own thing going on over there. I think it's slightly different. You could probably say it's stalking, but I feel like it's too mainstream. Mountains as well, they're usually advised against, but they're not strictly forbidden. Like the military's not going to stop you going up a mountain. 
Right. Oh, okay. So they don't tick the forbidden box. Actually, there is a community that lives in the Chernobyl exclusion zone. No, I there don't is. like that. No, are they, they, they are known as Samosleys. The majority of them are people who've just flat out refused to leave when the zone was created. And I think there's about 400 official people living there who are fairly elderly who just get by. They're elderly, so they're already experiencing effects that, that you would get out the of radiation. The cancers. Yeah, so the radiation doesn't affect them as much because they'd already be suffering from it anyway. They, they don't have long enough left to live for it to be an issue. God, imagine how interesting it would be to, like... I mean, this is very dark, but, like, <laughs> scientifically, you know, if we could study their bodies in death, imagine how cool that would be. You'd learn so much. Or I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me if they do, because I know, again, going back to Fukushima is a very good analogue, because the elderly around there volunteered to help clean up rather than having to send in young people because they said that they're at a point in their lives where, you know, Aww. the radiation doesn't matter if they get cancer. Yeah, because yeah, cancer grows more slowly in the elderly, of course. Yeah. And by the time the radiation causes it, they're probably going to be not long left anyway. anyway. God, that's so cool. Someone needs to make a TV show about those people. On top of the 400, there's an estimated 200 to 2,000 illegal settlers in the Chernobyl exclusion zone as well, who are usually people who have gone there to escape poverty or refugees from surrounding countries. Fucking hell. You can break into the zone and there's no police in there. There's no one to come and arrest you. There's free this property is everywhere. Like a book I read. Oh my god. The only thing you've got to worry about is kind of being caught by the military and, and kicked out, but they're obviously <laughs> usually busier at the border and they're not really too invested, I think, in cracking down on this. They get some support from the government. All these illegal people, they're not officially listed as settlers because legally they can't. And they're quite often hostile as well from, uh, from what reports have seen. So. <laughs> God, so all the more reason then why, as a stalker, you really need to know the area. Yeah. So you don't, like, not just so you don't get radiation, but so you don't run into actual murderers. Actual people who are there, you know. The article I read in it said escaping poverty and refugees. I imagine it's also a great place to go if you, you know, want to hide from a crime you've committed. Yeah. Exactly. You know, there's plenty of space. Jimmy Savile, he's out there. <laughs> Jimmy Savile is in the zone. Watch out, stalkers. Yeah. That's a TV show premise right there. <laughs> Jimmy Savile and Zone. <laughs> <laughs> what about like military experiment zones? You know, like where they test weapons and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I mean, I imagine that is also a very, very good place you could probably declare yourself a stalker. And if you live next to what you were aware was a, a mine testing field, for example, and you, you decided that there's some really nice sort of like nature shots you can get in there or there's abandoned buildings and stuff like that, you could, I think... The tricky bit there is you'd be very stupid to do that, probably, because that's a much more immediate threat of danger to life, probably, stepping on a mine. Mm. The radiation's bad, but I think almost because it's invisible and because it doesn't hit you straight away, if you do encounter it, you've got a bit of time to get out of it. Yeah. It almost makes it easier to ignore the danger, I imagine. Yeah. I think immediate danger like landmines or bombs dropping would probably put people off of being stalkers in those sorts of areas. I imagine so, And the same yeah. thing for, like, particularly violent settlements and, and stuff like that. Yeah, sure, you could probably call yourself a stalker, but would you actually want to in that situation? There's too much immediate danger. So I need to ask, I know we've oh, semi-mentioned this, but are there any official recorded cases of someone dying doing this? Like, has anyone died going into the heavily radiated part of the world. It's surprisingly difficult to know. So I imagine that there almost definitely must be people who have gone in unprepared or overconfident 
and done themselves some mm. serious bodily damage on various radioactive things in there. It's very subculture in brand that we cover a very dangerous subculture and nobody dies. But then we cover something very soft and fluffy and then it's fucking just massacre well, everywhere. I'm aware there are people, at the very least, who will go into the zone and pick mushrooms regardless of all the health warnings because mushrooms are very good at absorbing radiation. And they'll go, well, I've always eaten the mushrooms from around here, so I'm going to go and keep eating those mushrooms. And I imagine that long-term, they've probably done themselves some serious damage. So I thought you were going to open with that they just, like, cover themselves in mushrooms, like radiation shielding. (laughs) Mushroom armor. Like a mushroom man. That sounds like something out of Terraria. No, they're more just uh, eating the old radioactive mushroom stroganoff. A bit spicier than usual. That's very bad. A little bit hotter than what you get in Asda. But um, yeah, officially, as far as I can see, there's only one actual official death that has occurred in the zone, obviously since the initial explosion all that stuff all those years back. And it's much less exciting than you would think. It's not somebody being torn apart by mutants or, or, you know, falling into a radioactive pool and melting away. No, there's a very large structure in the zone called the Duga Radar. It is absolutely massive. It's like a uh, old Soviet-era missile detection system. Imagine just, like, a wall of scaffolding with big radar dishes strapped to the side. And, of course, being one of the big structures in the zone and being so tall and distinct, people want to climb it. And, unfortunately, this one person did fall off of it. Oh, no. So, unfortunately, nothing mystical about that one death that we have in the zone. Just a rather tragic little slip. Has anyone ever gone, like, missing there or anything? Well, I think, again, it's quite likely that you can say yes. I've not found any official documentation of missing people in Chernobyl. I imagine the thing is, you keep it hush-hush if you go in. If you don't tell anyone where you're going, yeah. and you fall and break your leg and you die there, I mean, they're not going to know you're there. You might have just, like, run away or something. There's definitely a great appeal in the mystery of a post-apocalyptic world and being somewhere that you're not meant to go and there's nothing documented there. I can see the appeal of wanting mm. to do it, especially I mean, even the more the illegal stuff of just kind of going and doing something you shouldn't. It's a very pretty place because it's really quite unique in that Chernobyl as, a, as an area and the city of Pripyat around it, they were some of the most advanced cities that the Soviet Union had built. They'd put a lot of effort into making them really modern and high-tech and, and all these sort of cultural things. And so there's like lots of really interesting things there that have basically been left as they were when they were first put in place because nobody lives there anymore. And so you've got things like these amazingly beautiful murals and stuff on, on building walls to show that it was a city of culture. And then all this sort of ruined building around it. There's really not really anywhere like it on the rest of the planet. Sad. But at the same time, nature's absolutely loving it. Yeah, I mean, just, that's yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people, like, they obviously get focused on, oh, radiation probably causes mutations stuff in the back. But for the most part, the radiation's at a point where the damage it causes isn't enough to severely impact wildlife and their short lifespans. And so they're quite happy living there, a lot of them. And it's actually become almost like a wildlife reserve at the same time. There's so many animals that can thrive there because there's no people and because the radiation doesn't bother them enough to it to be an issue. There's something similar in the Falkland Islands where they heavily mined one part of it in the Falklands War and so... Humans will set the mines off, but the local penguins won't because they're too light. Oh. So like, the entire area is now like a technical nature reserve. Because mm-hmm. if you go there, you die. What if too many penguins stand on the same spot, though? <laughs> if they're on each other's shoulders. That's population control. 
If you get too many penguins, it sorts itself out. Well, on those good vibes and penguins, I see let's call it there. Well, this has been a great little subculture. I see the appeal. I think it looks fun. Should we go, guys? No. Go, go to go some no. stuff? Guys, I'd be up for it. I'd, I'd love to go and have a look around. It sounds exciting to me. Yeah, you back our chloroform and bang. We're going to Chernobyl, guys. Woo! What's the worst that could happen? I would like to do urban exploring, like somewhere yeah, creepy, yeah. but I don't want to get cancer. Well, urban explorers can definitely be a fun subject we look into in the future. Who knows? Wink. But until then, let's call it there, gang, because this has been a holly jolly ride with ups and downs and Vince McMahon. Always fun to have Vince in here. <laughs> so until then, thank you all for joining us. And uh, we are the Subcultured Board of Tourism, and we apologise for this message. Thought you'd seen the last of me? Not bloody likely, you swines. You can find more from the ragtag bunch of hooligans by searching Subcultured Cast on Twitter and Instagram. Plus, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to Subcultured on your podcast platform of choice. Subcultured is part of the Podcrabs Network at www.podcrabs.com. It is well good. I do think about that sometimes. In fact, I've got piss audio on my uh, computer. Mm. It's the most subculture thing, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I know it's obviously for the podcast, but me saying, no, no, it's for a podcast. I think people just go, <laughs> oh, come on, come on.